Everybody, welcome back to Andy's room for We Bought a Mic Quarantine Edition, Zoom Edition, once mm. again here on this pop culture podcast, pop culture ketchup cast, as we still recover uh, from the old novel coronavirus. At least you recover because I'm still here feeling good, feeling like I need to knock on wood that I haven't caught this thing, but you're recovering, Hunter. Welcome. Thank you. I'm happy to be back after a week off last week. Unfortunately, Drew still is not here. Um, I have a confession to make. I think I gave Drew too big and sloppy of a kiss last week. I was going to ask, yeah, like how did this transmit? I I just couldn't help myself. I saw him the other day. He just trimmed up his beard, and I just had to give him a wet one. Yeah. Just just big all old tongue. tongue first. Just yeah. Uh, just you were like you were like Tom Cruise in the original Top Gun film. Yeah. I was just leading, just going straight in with the tongue. We actually, I think that that's how we transmitted it exactly, is that we were trying to reenact Top Gun. Um, I was talking about the bar scene of uh you've lost that love and feeling, and Drew was like, Okay, no, we're doing the other thing, right? And so I just <laughs> went with it. And you know I'm gonna make it sloppy. When you ask, when you ask me to recreate a scene from Top Gun, you know it's gonna be wet. Well, welcome back. Uh, we are still doing this remotely just to be safe, and uh, you know we uh, we needed to get something out there. Um, by the way, my name's Ernest. My name's not Andy. If you're just tuning into this for the first time, um, I do have a Buzz Lightyear action figure that is based on the real human Buzz Lightyear that mm-hmm. did go out into outer space in our reality. There is a Star Command that is a branch of the United States military. Yeah, this isn't based off of a movie. Okay, you're, you are the real guy. Right. You know the real guy in your universe. Yeah, no, it, it, it's it, yeah. The the toy is not based off of a movie character. Mm-hmm. It's based off of the actual human Buzz Lightyear, uh, member of Star Command Space Ranger, as you can see in my actual bedroom yeah. that I'm in right now. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Bed sheets. Did you did you have a uh, a set of uh, Buzz Lightyear bed sheets when you were a kid? Not. Buzz Lightyear sheets. I think that I I was always more of a Woody kid, to be perfectly honest. Um, which I think has aged better was as this we've learned more about Tom Hanks and more about Tim be, Allen. Was this post you trying to be Buzz flying or or pre Buzz? So okay, so I for listeners of the pod, and my name is Hunter. Um, for newer listeners of the pod, I gave this story out. I think when we did our Toy Story four review, but and and several um, times. And probably a few times since then, but who knows? We've now, I think since then, I think the last episode you said got 14 billion listens. So I, we might have some new listeners. Um, I'll give the story one more time. Toy Story is a very important franchise to me as a kid. It is 
the original Toy Story might be like my favorite movie ever made. Um, I think it's perfect. Um, and as a child, uh, I was really obsessed with both Woody and Buzz. Um, I had a Buzz Lightyear costume that I wore all the time. I am like five foot six, five foot seven. And I think that I actually shrunk my spine a little bit because <laughs> I got a Buzz Lightyear outfit that around whenever I was three years old and I wore it until I was about seven. So I think that just like scrunched me, you know, like a uh, foot thing that people do. Yeah, I think yeah, I yeah. just did that with my spine. Cause it's a onesie. Um, there was yeah. no way to like separate. No, yeah, the no, it was, it was a onesie and I'm just like walking around, <laughs> like just going full, like thwomp walking around everywhere. Um, anyways, very important movie to me. I, uh, used to wear this Buzz Lightyear onesie all over the place. Uh, to the point where I thought that I could become Buzz and I thought that I could fly. Um, and I really tried to chest test this theory out to see if I could fly. Um, another side story is that my other favorite movie along with Toy Story was Space Jam, the original Space Jam, um, and was obsessed with I Believe I Can Fly by R. Kelly. Uh, that's thing. That's something that hasn't aged as well as my love for Toy Story, Not as quite. my love for R. Kelly as a child. But I jumped off of the back of a couch singing "I Believe I Can Fly" in my Buzz Lightyear outfit, uh, and went face first into a brick fireplace and shattered my collarbone. So, um, yeah. Needless to say, Toy Story was important to me. Need, needless to say, Lightyear 2022 was made just for you. Yes, um, it was made just for me. I found that same onesie. I squeezed my little <laughs> body into it to go to opening night. To went to to go to the uh, the not press screener, the screening like the day before release. Yeah. Uh, the IMAX. It's, it's theater. you and like a bunch of like little kids with their Toy yeah. Story action figures, and just like a couple of grown men in their Buzz Lightyear onesies. <laughs> Just it was actually, it's throughout. crazy. We kicked the kids out just so it could just be us in our onesies. Yes. I will say, I haven't seen the just movie jump, yet. We were just flopping around the theater, around the IMAX screening, which, Ernie, you've been there before. You know, it's a long jump down. Right, right. And we we weren't going feet first, buddy. We were like <laughs> diving at yeah. the ground. It, it was just you and like the support and, group of all the other people that have like, shattered various bones because right. of the film toy story yeah there was somebody in there with like a broken like a shattered femur <laughs> somebody in there with like a broken neck um yeah no just everybody in, that you can imagine all their various injuries due to light year and um we were diving at the ground and only part of that was because of the slog that 2022 light year is well okay before before you share any more thoughts just just a couple other things I want to get out of the way first. So obviously Drew isn't here. Uh, he contracted COVID and is, and is getting hit really, really hard by it. We wish him the best. We wish him a, a speedy recovery, but this episode could not wait because Lightyear is struggling at the box office folks. And we need to band together to nope. hold hands to support my fantasy film league team. <laughs> you need so to that stop I, petitioning. <laughs> so that I can stand a chance against the behemoth of Hunter's wife, Gaia, who drafted Top Gun Maverick, who is destroying 
all the teams in our league with how well that movie is doing. Lightyear right now is opening second at the box office behind Jurassic World Dominion, which is not not a great look for my team. This was my one big bet at a box office point haul. And it's it's working. it's absolutely crushing that this is the way it, it has to be. So, you know, we 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 need to we needed to to do this catch up uh episode today. We're gonna get to a lot of things today. We have a lot of other movies and shows on the on the docket, but we need to put a spotlight on Lightyear 2022, a film I have not yet seen and that I I you might not see <laughs> until it goes Stuart, to Disney it'll be on Plus. Disney Plus in like a month, okay? <laughs> so that's not a great sign for you. Um, first of all, stop your PSA right now to get people in the theater to see uh, Lightyear. Um, secondly, let's go ahead and talk about the box office first, because you are right. Uh, this movie's kind of flopping. It's ending up about 30 mil less than what was anticipated. It was expected to be around 75 to 85 million, opening up at 51 right now Not uh, you said it's second domestic in the box office it's third this weekend and worldwide behind dominion um which it's kind of crazy that dominion isn't doing better since it's like a mashup of two beloved franchises jurassic parks and uh despicable me um <laughs> dominions dominions thank you um but it's opening behind dominion and top gun maverick worldwide right really really struggling Top Gun right Maverick breaking records of like best third weekend best fourth weekend like audience slang. please check out my uh my my nice poster that I have back here um yeah I mean can you blame people for wanting to go support Tommy Tommy C uh yeah no this movie's struggling and I think there's a reason for that um my kind of takeaway from this movie Lightyear, a movie that I have seen, is that I don't really know who this movie is for. Hmm. Um, this movie is kind of it's of course, it's based on the movie that Andy saw back in 1995 um, that inspired him to like the Buzz Lightyear toy. Already confusing as fuck. Like, what are we doing here? Why are we making this movie now? Well, the the infamous Chris Evans tweet that shook the world when this movie was announced is really what has led to that confuse, confusion. Because it really doesn't have to be that complicated. If he hadn't tweeted that, Pixar could have just been like, Lightyear, the movie that Andy went to see to make him want to buy the toy. That's yeah. it. But That's, it's Chris that Evans simple. had to be like, this, made it so much he was worse. like, to be clear, this is the movie based on the real human that inspired the toy. Like, wait, bad news what? for you, Chris. You weren't playing a real character. I, I hate to tell you that. Um, so I'm just going to I'm going to I'm not going to get into spoilers because this is like the first like 15, 20 minutes. But if you want to not know anything about this movie and go see this movie that I find painfully mediocre skip ahead about 90 seconds um so buzz lightyear uh and his whole stark man fleet are like trying to just go around the galaxy looking for a planet or something like that they crash land on a planet or they land on a planet um and then buzz is trying to escape to get them back home to earth he accidentally crashes his plane and they just kind of have to figure out how to survive in this world. Meanwhile, uh, 
you're probably wondering where he's going to get that term light year from. Um, or oh, so he's light just year buzz. Is a pun. No, well, he is Buzz Lightyear. That's, but the Lightyear is kind of a pun type thing. Basically, what he's trying to do is he's trying to figure out how to reach hyperspeed, hyperspace, I think is what they call it. I don't know. He's trying to go really fast so that they can get back to Earth. Um, this film then explores the, uh, if you guys remember the movie in um interstellar where they go to planet and planet time moves differently on this planet than it moves right. back home the faster that you I, go yeah I, einstein's theory of relativity yes exactly the faster that you go the slower that time moves for you so buzz tries to make this little like trip to see how fast he can go he returns back and it's been i think like 12 years or something like that and so he keeps doing these tests over and over again. And what's like 15 minutes for him is taking seven years back on this planet where they are. Um, so that's kind of where the movie starts and then goes on from there where he becomes like kind of curmudgeon old man to these like Gen Z uh, people who are just born in space this whole time and don't even know an Earth. Very so high that's already concept. Very yeah, very high concept for a kids movie. And let me tell you, there's a lot of like relative like relative physics and kind of more adult ideas in this movie and the plot mechanics are for fucking babies. Like it is like the most nonsensical like just plot of like characters who just like are just like clumsily knocking everything over like I can't do anything right. I'm a plot device. Um things like that that it's kind of it's weird. It falls into this weird place where I think that it's, especially for the standard that Pixar has set at this point, where they become, for the most part, movies that can be enjoyed by all. Like, especially, like, they're kids' movies. They work for kids. But just thinking about a film like Turning Red that came out earlier this year Great that has, movie. like, a fucking fantastic movie, has these really adult concepts, or at least really universal concepts that can be uh grabbed onto by both adults and kids light is a lot dumber than that which is strange because it's trying to have all these high concept ideas so it ends up in this weird spot where it's a kids movie but also i don't know if i'm like five i'm not sure i'm following the plot of what's happening in light year right. you might but just be I'm like an, yay color space i'm adult watching it i think it's like just like idiotic at a certain point so um needless to say it did not really work for me uh there's some points that are kind of cool uh some of the animation does look great some of the animation i think looks really ugly personally i think the way that buzz looks is kind of monstrous he kind of mm. looks like a cartoon of like a buff cop i don't know what exactly <laughs> they're doing with his character design he's, he's very blue um, lives matter kind of kind of vibe <laughs> yeah he's a thin blue line kind of guy. yeah <laughs> um, no it's it, some of the stuff some of the space animation looks really cool um they nail the comedic relief character that's kind of obligatory in these movies there's a cat a robot cat uh named socks that is Normally the type of character that kind of drives me insane in these movies and the what they do as uh, Peter Stone as Socks is really funny. Um, 
that's kind of the only comedic element that works in this movie. Otherwise, it's kind of a boring drag. Like, more than anything, the biggest complaint that I have about this movie is it's like, it's a sci-fi Disney kids movie. And it's just like fucking boring. <laughs> it's really boring. Yikes. It's not very visually interesting for the most part, which it's like you're doing a sci-fi movie where you have all these like endless opportunities for what you could do. And instead a lot of the world is like really desaturated and I don't really know what they were going for. It just kind of feels like a big swing and a miss. Yeah. It's, it just, it was, it was a disappointment. It's kind of, it's funny that now looking back over the last like 24 months or so uh, of Pixar movies specifically, Disney has really, this is notable, Lightyear is, because this is the first Pixar movie that Disney has said, we're releasing this in theaters. This isn't going to Disney Plus. This is coming out in theaters because this is Buzz Lightyear. This will put butts in seats. The the last uh, Pixar movie that went to theaters was Onward. And that was like right when COVID was first hitting and it didn't really do much in theaters. It kind of got shuffled to Disney Plus pretty quickly after it it went to theaters didn't it come out in march of 2020 yeah yeah it was like it was like early it was like early march and then by late march everything was shut down right so Um, yeah it's but it's funny because like movies like soul turning red even like luca those straight to disney plus they went straight to disney plus and they feel like they would really work in a theater. Like, God, I would have loved to see Soul and like Dolby or something. Yeah. The sound mixing in yeah. that movie, the dark blacks in there in that movie would have been so cool. Turning Red would have been just a great theatrical time. And Lightyear is the first movie of all of these that kind of feels like it should have just been put straight on Disney+. Plus. Hmm. It doesn't feel like it's adding anything. It just feels like it's another piece of content that you just kind of could throw on a streaming service and you could take it or leave it. You could just kind of go on with your day. You could have it on the background. Maybe your kids would enjoy it, but it's not really something that you have to think about. And it's a bummer. And uh, Disney really missed with this one because it's not doing well. Yeah. I, I I think everybody expected it to do a lot better, you know, looking at, at box office predictions for the summer Everyone had this movie higher than Top Gun Maverick for predictions. And it's going to struggle to be in the top five. I, I don't it's think it's struggle to it's gonna to, struggle to hit a hundred mil domestic. Yeah, because which I might don't think, struggle to keep it in the top 10, honestly, when it's all said and done. I mean, yeah, when you got the juggernaut that is Elvis coming out, I mean, <laughs> my God, dude, like Elvis is going to fucking I think Elvis might beat Morbius's record for like the highest grossing movie ever. Yeah, um, it's it's it. There is a, a kind of um, as as, you know, tough as it might be to think that, you know, people who worked on this movie might feel a little bit like uh, audiences aren't gravitating towards it. It's fine. It's a Disney movie. Disney's going to be fine. It is kind of fun to see like, whoa, nothing this year or or very little this year in the box office is playing out exactly the way people predicted it would. You know, when you see a movie like this not do as well and when you see a movie like Top Gun Maverick do super, super well. So I think I think that's fascinating. And even looking at Pixar's last couple of years of box office, 
um, it's tough to kind of put this one into a certain bucket because I, I sent a screenshot uh, to our, our group chat of, of this, but when you look at Toy Story 4, that opened at 120 million and went on to gross 434 mil at the the domestic box right, office. That's like 150% more than what we're talking yeah. about with Lightyear. Incredibles 2, a uh, $182 million opening and then a 608 million uh, total domestic. Coco is right around the same ballpark as this. That was a 50 million opening weekend. But, but Coco that's an had original legs. idea. And Coco had le- Coco yeah. was a two like ten, two ten. It topped out it. Yeah, it was beloved. It didn't have the same drop off. I have not heard a lot of great things about Lightyear. I don't think it's going to have good word of mouth, especially this is like the big kids movies for now. Uh, Minions: Rise of Gru comes out in two weeks, and that's going to be the movie that kids want to see. Right. The thing is, do kids do kids give a shit about Buzz Lightyear? Or Toy Story in general? Or Toy Story? I think that this is more... This is a movie for adults to try to project their nostalgia onto their kids than it is something that kids directly like. I don't know, like, if Toy Story 4 was loved by children or if it was loved by adults because of the journey that they've been through with Woody right. and the That's game. probably what pushed that box office was seeing yeah. the, the continuation of that story and those characters. But that's not what this is. Very clearly, that's not what this is. I'm you know, going really, out of their way to to kind of brand this as its own thing. I'm really, really curious because in hindsight, like it is, you know, it's a legacy sequel and everything, but Top Gun is still based on IP. But it seems like for the first time in a while, and granted, Marvel movies are still going to do their thing. Marvel movies are untouchable. They're still going to make a billion dollars. But it seems like adults are going back to the theater. And for that reason, I am really curious what a movie like Bullet Train is going to do. Yeah. I'm so hyped for Bullet Train. That's one of my most anticipated movies of the next few months. It looks incredible. I'm so ready for it. Bad Bunny, dude? But, yeah. Um, That movie is an original idea. It doesn't have the people who are coming in there just like, I remember seeing Top Gun on my first date with your mom. Um, Mm. Like, it doesn't, it isn't bringing in that crowd, so I'm wondering what that's going to do. Is Top Gun just propelled because it's a legacy sequel and because of the power of Tom Cruise saving cinema? Right. Or is it just like the, well, the family? Te- know- the theater experience of it yeah. too. The fact that like Top Gun is like the sound and the visuals, like it's just you have to experience it on the big screen. I feel like that's a big driver of like why people keep returning and, and are the word of mouth is compiling. But there's that. But also, I think that a lot of the pandemic has trained a lot of families to know I can just go to Disney Plus to watch a movie with my family. I can just go to Netflix and like yeah. throw on that kid's movie. Like, I don't need to Is like light your worth. The... Do I need to pay $80 for like my family of five to go see fucking right. Lightyear in the theaters? Probably right. not. I can exactly. just rewatch something else on Disney Plus and I'll catch Lightyear whenever it eventually ends up on the streaming service. Right. Well, I uh, I'll probably still check it out when it's on Disney plus. Um, I don't know. Maybe, I don't know. I don't know if I'm going to take the time to go to the theater to see this just because the word of mouth is, is so incredibly negative to mixed, yeah. uh, I, I, at least in my circles. I, I know there's probably people out there that have enjoyed it, but you, you didn't convince me 
to make the effort to go see it. So I'll so probably you wait. aren't even you're just gonna let your fancy film league just crash oh yeah my and one burn. my one ticket is really gonna boost the numbers <laughs> on this one. <laughs> I want you to like win the lottery just so you can be like, hey, can I just give you guys a hundred million dollars? I'll just give you my lottery way just to like help. Yeah, because Disney Disney really needs it. They really um, need the money. So you you ventured out to the theater to see this one after you um uh got better from from covid is the next thing on the docket something that you saw while you were kind of feeling the the covid woes and and um, needed to to curb oh, the pain of yeah, the virus yeah no i definitely so this next uh film i saw i just fully had covid I was coughing on everybody in the theater, but I really just needed to see this in the movie theater. No, I was I was fully recovered wherever I saw the sex one. Another movie that probably could have just gone straight to Disney Plus or straight to Hulu. But oh, I'm so, so glad that I didn't. So this I'm is so in glad theaters? I didn't. Yeah, this is in theaters. It is the Bob's Burgers movie. Um I unfortunately could have sworn this was streaming. No, so um this movie just a little bit of background for this movie. This is notable because this movie is the last movie that was made under old Fox to be released. Right. This is not Disney has no actual like monetary value that they put into the production of this movie. This is entirely a Fox production. And because of that, I think Disney just didn't really give a shit to market this movie. They were like, they released these it people the same weekend as Top Gun. Yeah. It's crazy. They just fully dumped this movie. Um, in this, like you said, in the same weekend as Top Gun, because they thought that this was gonna be counterculture to Top Gun. Yeah. Um, even whenever we knew, whenever we didn't know that Top Gun was going to make a billion dollars, still could have told you it was a bad idea to do this. Uh Disney, but I don't think that they cared uh, because, again, they didn't really have – it's, like, just free money for them at this point that there's, like, cool, oh, I yeah. made 31 mil? Sure. That we didn't pay the $50 million that it cost to actually make this movie, so what do we care? Um, <laughs> so are you a big Bob's Burgers head? You so that's what I was going to say um, is that I think that Bob's Burgers is, like, the most consistent – adult-ish um animated show that we have on television for like it's i think it's in 12 seasons yeah. at this point yeah 12 seasons it's just it's just a very like good down the middle show it's very broad in what it's doing and for that reason i don't think that i don't know a lot of people who would say it's their favorite show but i think that it kind of it's it's underrated for what it does. It's like dependable. for just being a show. It is so, so dependable. You know, when you um, fire up an episode, you're at least gonna like it somewhat. Yeah, there's just some great stuff in there still. Uh it's made by uh Lauren Bouchard, who is uh the same guy, he's the co-creator of a show Home Movies, which um during the last year or so, Gaia has gotten me super into. Uh for people who don't know home movies, it was uh, from the late 90s, early 2000s. It was on uh, Adult Swim um, starring Brendan Small. Um, and it is notably the first movie or the first show to ever have John Benjamin in it, who plays uh, Coach McGurk. It is 
fucking hilarious the minimalist animation that they have it's so kind of crude. one of those shows yeah it's super, it's like super ms crude. paint <laughs> <laughs> it really is but like both bob's burgers and home movies are the type of animation where like there isn't really a reason for it being animated aside from being cheap they aren't like doing rick and morty epic adventures that are incapable to like display unless they were being animated um it's just like people like living it's just like kids living their lives and bob's burgers is just like sometimes there's some zany uh visual flourishes that they do but for the most part it's just like bob just like trying to cook and the kids just like going to school and learning whatever life lesson there might be um i have seen the movie looks kind of different like the animation isn't the same style it looks kind of more i don't know detailed yeah, no, it's cinematic. They, I mean, it's sixty million dollars, which is no joke for a budget like this. Like this movie is bombing at the box office at only making I think thirty ish right now, um, and it costs sixty. So they would be eating eating a loss here. But again, Disney didn't make it, and now they own the rights to it. So it's basically free thirty million dollars for them. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm really glad this movie was in theaters, though, because it was surprisingly there was a few other people in our audience. There was uh, three people in front of us who like dressed up in like Bob's Burgers cosplay to see the movie, which was really cool. Was there a Tina? Um, oh, there was no there was a Tina. Um, My fiance there was tells a Linda me and a, a Bob. I'm a um, Tina. <laughs> Yeah, that's, that's, that's a good thing. I know, right? I'm like, are we sure about compliment. that? <laughs> it's it was it's really, really funny. Um, I don't need to get into like the super big plot mechanics of it. Essentially, you know, they is a reoccurring thing with the show that um Bob and Linda are like always struggling to actually pay their bills and they're like kind of always just scraping to get by um small business and then they kind of things. yeah small business owner things um there's something that happens where they're like we have to pay the bank by the end of the week uh and then a sinkhole opens up in front of their restaurant so nice. nobody can come get their burgers um and then kind of hilarity ensues from there but just a really funny show. I just wanted to give it a shout out because I do think it's probably going to end up on either Hulu or Disney Plus in or the both. next. Or There's both, been a couple honestly. things that that have been doing that. Yeah, it'll probably end up on there in the next. Or maybe know, HBO Max. Like that's something with the rights of some legacy Fox stuff that, like, um, what's it called? West Side Story. That was on Max and Disney. Max Plus. and Disney Plus. Yeah. Yeah, I'm not sure where it'll end up. It's definitely going to find a streaming home somewhere. And I think that whenever it does, um, it'll find an audience because Bob's Burgers does still have like a pretty decently sized audience. Like they're, uh, it's just a, it's a good show. Good movie. I really, I laughed a lot. Um, I really liked it. So that's Bob's, Bob's Burgers, Burgers, the movie. movie. Yeah. Um. All right. I have two quick movies I want to shout out before we move on to our TV slate. Um, first one is a movie called Cha-Cha Real Smooth, which is the follow-up uh, from Mr. Cooper Rafe. Mr. Cooper Rafe did um, Shithouse, 
which mm-hmm. you one of our Drew, favorite movies of a couple years ago. Yeah, you and Drew both had it in your top tens of the year of uh, 2020, I believe it was. Yeah, um, I think I might have had it like number three or something like that. I fucking love Shed House. That movie. I nice. um, I wasn't super in love with that movie as you guys were. I I still thought it was great. Um, but I I didn't have it on on my top ten. I still thought it was great, but um, uh, yeah, not not as much as you guys. But I was still excited for Cha Cha Real Smooth, especially because. It's on Apple TV Plus. It's got that kind of Apple money behind it. It won, I don't know if it won something, but it premiered at Sundance this year and it had a lot of, you know, kind of buzz around it. Um, it stars Dakota Johnson and it has like uh, a little bit of a broader scope, a bigger cast. Uh, Shit House is a very small movie. It's kind of a two-hander for the most part. Um, this one kind of broadens the scope a little bit more. It's not like a you know massive movie. It's still very contained, but in comparison to Shit House, you can tell that you know Mr. Cooper Rave has a lot to work with. And also, the thing is, is that you know even though I I wasn't as head over heels for Shit House, this guy is a as a filmmaker is someone to just keep an eye on whatever he does. He's very young. I think he's like 25 or something like that. Um, He's writing, directing, and starring in his own movies, at least these first two. And he has a very specific tone, very specific voice that for people our age is something to gravitate towards. Like that's the thing with Shithouse is that it's this movie about this guy in college trying to like explore this romance with this girl and having uh you know these extended conversations with her very before sunrise-esque and a lot of these conversations are like just a lot of the same conversations that we had when we were in college and that kind of fake deep Mm. trying to like figure out who you are and what you think and what you stand for while you also have no idea how to do anything and he Mm -hmm. captured that in a very specific way so I was very curious kind of how that voice would apply to a completely different character, different world. This is um, a story of a guy named Andrew who has just graduated college and doesn't really have a plan, doesn't really know what he's going to do. So he moves back home with his mom, um, who's now remarried to a stepdad, played by um, the guy from Everybody Loves Raymond. The um, Raymond? The brother. Raymond's brother. Ray Romano, the guy who played Ray's Romano's brother in Everybody Loves Raymond. Uh, I don't have his name pulled up. Um, but yeah. Oh, Brad Garrett. Brad Garrett. Brad Garrett, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, and uh, he starts to do this gig where he attends uh, bar mitzvahs and bat mitzvahs. And he's like the party starter. Like the the Jewish parents kind of employ him to make sure that everybody has a good time and that uh, good music is played and that people are encouraged to get up and dance. He's kind of like a, like a DJ uh, on steroids a little bit. You know, he, his role is to like encourage people to like make an effort to be a part of the party. Um, And through that, he meets Dakota Johnson's character Domino and she's the mom of, uh, one of the the 
kids that's going to these bar mitzvahs. A lot of a lot of bar mitzvahs and bat mitzvahs all in a row in a short amount of time. It's like the summer in between school years for some reason in this. I don't know if it's just Jewish culture in general Look. or if it's this New Jersey town. <laughs> All of the Jews are getting shagged up in the fall. And so then that just <laughs> All the makes birthdays. it. Yeah. They're just like, I don't want to deal with a birthday in the middle of the school year. Let's just go ahead and just do this. So you can just have birth yeah. in June every year. And we don't have to worry about mixing in and fitting time on weekend and everything else. But there's enough in the plot of this movie. There's like enough functions to like keep this, this train going and like have a lot of interactions between these characters. and that's kind of like the broad strokes of, of the story is he has this new gig and he meets this woman who has this young uh, daughter named Lola. And um, he starts to gravitate towards them and starts to develop a bond with them and starts to babysit for the girl because uh, she has like a um, autism. So she doesn't really take to a lot of people. And because he's able to connect with her and talk to her, Domino feels comfortable enough to be like, okay, you can, you can babysit for her. She, you're a good presence in her life and I want to keep you around. And a lot, a couple other layers start to uncover themselves where uh, Andrew and Domino start to have a little bit of a fling. And, you know, Dakota Johnson is a very attractive woman and we get it we understand this as audience members that she's very hot and that Cooper Rafe wrote and directed and starred in a movie in which he gets to cozy up next to Dakota Johnson. And it's like, all right, good job by you, Cooper. Cool, dude. Good job, man. (laughs) You did it. You did it. And that's awesome for us that we get to see that. Um, I, I like this movie, but I don't think it's as good as, shithouse i think shithouse had more of like this raw spark to it this one doesn't quite have that but there are a lot of moments where because i know that he is writing the script i'm like damn dude you know how to say the right thing in this moment there's so many moments where it's just like somebody's having a conversation. Somebody's like having an interaction. And I think of something in my head of like what I would say. And then he says it in the movie. Yeah. I'm like, he knows, he's the guy in his twenties. He knows how to write a guy in his twenties. Like it's, it's so perfect that I'm like, I'm like what, sitting there thinking like what I would say in this, in this situation. And then like two seconds later, basically the same thing comes out of this guy's mouth. Like that doesn't so, happen a lot. You know, it's kind of funny. Cause that's, I remember whenever we watched shit house, I was like, he's a really good actor, but like, my God, is he a good writer? Like, right. I don't know how well this will translate into his thirties and forties, but like right now, like he is nailing what he's trying to go for here. What's, ironic about that is that she said in interviews with shithouse like he never wanted to be a writer director he just wanted to act yeah and whenever he was in his late teens early 20s he was like all of these characters suck like i don't want to 
act any of these characters. So then he just went ahead and wrote Shithouse just to actually give himself a part that he would like, which is an insane thing to do. That's like some Donald Glover level shit of just yeah. like, yeah, I'm just more talented in all in every way than you will ever be. And it's like, fuck you, just pick one. Um <laughs> Because he is a really so good, good actor. Why are you he so is... young and so good? I hate you. <laughs> I know. Like, fucking, you're 25. Get the fuck out of here. Um, no, like, it is it is funny. I don't know how his performance is in Cha-Cha Real Smooth. It's but good. It he has he's... a lot. He has a lot of really great scenes. And Dakota Johnson's a great actor, too. Like, oh, she, she puts rules. in a yeah. great performance in this movie. And they have a lot of scenes where it's just the two of them. And... I buy it. I buy the connection. It is if a little you have, cringe, you know. It's if you have like, chemistry with Dakota Johnson, then good job by you. Okay, right. <laughs> like the the cringe is there. I mean, Shit House is a very cringe movie for a lot of different reasons than this one. Shit House is cringe just because it's like the conversations themselves are just like it's so meandering <laughs> that mm. you're you're just like, oh, dude, like you're not getting to the point. This one is more so cringe just because it's like he is trying to get close with this woman that already has a daughter and already has a fiance and you barely know each other. You've like just met. You don't know each other at all. Um, but the the story explores that. And by the end of the movie, I think that where everything ends up, I felt like it it leaves the characters in a good place where you feel like they acknowledge the fact of how weird it is that mm. they develop this connection um, because it's strange. It's a strange thing that's going on and you feel very icky. You feel very uncomfortable <laughs> about the whole thing. And throughout the course of the movie, I was like, I don't know where this is going. Like, why is this happening? Why are they together? Like, this is so random, you know? It's, it doesn't make sense that these two people would gravitate towards each other. But there are some key moments pretty much right at the end of the movie where it all sort of, you know, starts to come together, come into focus. And you get a sense of like, okay, they really do a good job of like expressing the, the point of like why this happens and why these two people would do the things that they do. So I'm trying to be vague because I don't want to actually yeah, say no, the I'm, thing, but I'm really, I'm probably going to see this in the next few days. Like I'm really excited. I want to try to see this in theaters because it is playing at a local art house theater near us. I know otherwise it is just available to watch on Apple TV plus right now, but I love this guy. Like this is, the fact that he is 25 and already has made two movies, that's one, just insane. Like, you shouldn't have this much success this right. young. Um, and I'm really interested to see where he goes because he's kind of, I mean, so far, he's only 25. So that's not really saying much because most other people have had a chance yet. But he's the first zillennial director that we have. Like, yeah. he is kind of the first and I, I mean there's gonna be more to come um i'm thinking of who is it uh, that directed shiva baby um because that's kind of another person that was a great uh, movie that was such a good movie emma seligman who is uh she's 27 so like also still like kind mm -hmm. of around that 25 to 27 range um but their style 
I because Shiva Baby and Shit House kind of do have a little bit similar DNA where it is kind of embracing a cringy, want to like peel your skin off kind yeah. of like drama comedy kind of fluid between the two that is something that is i think defines a lot more younger people that kind of fluidity between like this isn't just one genre everything is everything um that i'm just i'm i'm there for whatever cooper is doing until he burns me like i'm gonna be here for this guy for whatever he wants to do i definitely like shiva baby more than this or more than well i guess more than this but also more than shithouse um it, the the filmmaking in shiva baby kind of spoke to me more in terms oh, of the like, shiva baby is incredibly well directed like yeah. that is it's like feels like a safty brothers movie at yeah. points and it's just about at a shiva at a baby shiva exactly. which by the way we love this embrace embracing of jewish culture just being jewish culture give me more bar mitzvahs and bat mitzvahs let's see a fucking baby shiva let's do it baby i'm here Um, for it but yeah cha-cha real smooth i i still like the movie i still recommend it um it just there's something about it that just like felt lacking to me a little bit i know there's a lot of people get going head over heels over over it if you go on letterbox it has a lot of love um, not one of my favorites personally, but I'm still super interested in Cooper Rafe and what his career is going to be like. I hope to God he keeps making movies like this and doesn't get sucked up in like some kind of Marvel machine. It's like, dude, or... Cooper Rafe is making Fantastic Four. No, kill me. <laughs> <laughs> or, or even that. start to get into like the prestige TV cycle, which, mm. you know, if, if he finds a way into that where he's still able to kind of do this type of thing in an episodic format, that might work out. But I like this, you know, even though I'm not, you know, kind of praising this movie as much as other people are, I still think it's it's super valuable that he's able to do this and get people like, Dakota Johnson and Brad Garrett and um, Leslie Mann. Yeah, Leslie who, Mann. Yeah, who plays his mom in this movie. That's honestly, that's one of the things that I kind of have the biggest knock on the movie is that Leslie Mann has been typecast as like the mom for so long or mm. like this very specific type of older woman that this movie, it tips in a direction where you feel like it might give her something more interesting to do and it didn't. And I was very disappointed about that because it, I felt like, oh, my God, finally, we're going to get to see Leslie Mann, like, do something different. And I didn't quite get that. So that's kind of like one of my knocks. But other than that, love the movie. Check it out in theaters and on Apple TV Plus right now. It's uh, Cha-Cha Real Smooth. Um, one that I can't really recommend enough or at all, I should say, is um, Spiderhead on Netflix, uh, which is the new movie by Mr. Joseph Kaczynski, who did Top Gun Maverick, of all things. And it's number one on Netflix right now. It stars Chris Hemsworth and Miles Teller. It's got a solid cast, and it's got a really interesting concept about this uh, mysterious island where uh, a kind of uh tech 
pharmaceutical bro played by Chris Hemsworth is doing tests on all these people and testing these drugs. Um, and it is kind of like a black mirror type of thing where you don't know exactly what's going on. Um, but you start to uncover more and more about the drugs and about the people that are there at this facility as the movie goes on. But I found it so deeply uninteresting and unengaging and boring that I can't recommend it. I'm sorry. It is one of the worst movies, probably the worst movie I've seen this year. And it wow. feels like it's a cool what? concept. Oh my God. Um, I mean, I haven't seen that many uh, movies this year. No, that is sca- that's more scathing than I even thought that it was going to get. I've heard... I've heard mixed things about I have heard some people who like really dig it, who thought it was like super fun and like thought it was really good. That was really visually interesting because that is one thing about Joseph Kaczynski is even if his movies don't work like Oblivion. Damn, does that movie look good? Uh, Even if it doesn't. No, there there are some cool things like some of the shots are cool. Some of the set design is cool, but it it can't save it. It can't save it. Like it Mm. just didn't ever grab me. I never felt engaged. I never felt interested. I felt like the movie wanted me to look away, which is like the worst thing I could say about a movie. And it's oh. that it's that Netflix thing where it's like, you know, Netflix says that Red Notice, it's his most popular movie ever. But like, were those people even facing the screen as it was playing? Or was it just the autoplay thing that just played after they finished watching the And they Office just let it run. Yeah. Yeah. Like... It's just, it's it just reeked of like the Netflix archetypal movie. And it sucks because I like Joseph Kaczynski. I think Top Gun Maverick is one of the best movies of the year. I like Miles Teller and Chris Hemsworth. And I think some of the other people in this cast are good. And it has like scenes that are fun. You know, it has like, it, it again, it's that thing where it's like, oh, here's a fun scene. Let me pay attention for this one scene. Let me look at the screen. And then like, okay, then I can just like disengage from this and then maybe the movie will grab me again when it's interesting. And that's just not, I can't stand behind a movie that makes me feel that way. That's like begging to be half watched, you know? That that sucks. I will also say um, bad title, especially because this is based on a short story called escape from spiderhead right escape from spiderhead is so much cooler than just spiderhead yeah escape from spiderhead i'm like what the fuck is that yo spiderhead sounds like a cronenberg movie like what is that yeah. is that a place is that and a guess person? what I... they escape they do escape i'm just called escape from spiderhead escape from spiderhead is insane of us like that at least just embrace kind of the weirdness is this movie like how weird does it get because i know it's science fiction but like the trailer that played uh during every fucking nba finals game that i had to watch uh made it look closer to like jack reacher than it did to like a sci-fi story no dude this is such a contrived covid production like it is just a straight up COVID movie where the majority of the scenes are people sitting in a single room um, and other people sitting in an adjacent room that's divided by a, a one-way mirror. 
like an interrogation style room. And you have actors on one room being observed by actors in another room. And extended sequences of these people being uh, tested with these experimental drugs that can control certain moods and behaviors. And it's so bizarre, like some of the choices that the movie makes to communicate that because they have these like packs on their back, like in their lower back um, that it like kind of, it's like a, it looks like a battery pack, but instead of batteries, it's these vials with liquid that contain the drug. And then they have an app on a phone that controls the, the intensity of the drip of the drug going into their system. And there are so many instances where like things go haywire um, and like the, they're, they get pushed against a wall and the pack like breaks and then like all hell breaks loose. So it's like, I have so many questions about like who designed this and who made it so easy for this person to be pushed up against the wall. So their little drug pack could be like hit and, and, you know, destroyed. <laughs> and then the entire experiment is just like thrown into chaos. Um, so a lot of hangups like that. Um, but you know, the, the fun parts come from, uh, Chris Hensworth doing a little bit of a comedic performance. Um, he's, he's cutting loose a little bit. And then some of the drug sequences that get, you know, a little bit unpredictable here and there as to like what the effects of the drugs, different drugs are and like what they do. Um, so I found like little moments here and there where I kind of like was drawn into the movie a little bit more because it, it, it felt like it was going to do something interesting with this. But other than that, not much. It tries to give you some backstory, some context as to like why these people are here, what they did in their lives to get them here. Um, and that was an attempt to like get me to, to, to feel something, but didn't work. Didn't do much. Sorry, Spiderhead. I, I will say, um, cause I mean, Kaczynski is like a very classic director in that he doesn't like write his scripts or anything like that. Um, the screenplay is by two guys, Rhett Reese and Paul Wernick. Yeah. Dude, um, I see. Cool. Uh, yeah, they're the two guys who brought you Deadpool, which no, thank you. Um, <laughs> the same team that also brought you six underground Oh, shit. might, might be the worst Michael Bay movie. Also a Netflix release, uh, zombie land, which I Solid liked, movie. but also I was 14. So fucking sue me. Um, and zombie land double tap, nice. um, life. Do you, do you remember the movie life? Oh, is that the uh, Jake Gyllenhaal in space? It sure is. It's Jake Gyllenhaal in space, yeah, the sci-fi horror movie that you and everyone else. Um, and also G.I. Joe Retaliation, Yo, the sequel G.I. Joe movie. Let's go. Um, so they wouldn't exactly, I wouldn't say they've made my favorite movies uh, before. I wouldn't say that they've exactly written movies that are well-written. So maybe we should have known that, especially if they're, trying to take a short story and adapt it into a full-length feature that it yeah. might not work the best. I think that Kaczynski, because it's been interesting, I feel like a lot of people have been 
kind of retroactively looking back at a lot of his projects that he's taken on in hindsight, like along with the success of Top Gun Maverick. And it seems like he is a very old school director in that if you give him the right material, he'll make it look beautiful. Even sometimes if he's given the wrong material, he can still make it look beautiful. Like Tron Legacy is like a striking visual movie. Like he made a choice for that movie. Oblivion is a very striking movie. The fact that it's so washed out and just so much whites and grays and it still has like depth to it is that's massive credit to the guy. And I feel like we might not have given joseph kaczynski enough of his flowers on top gun maverick on Mm -hmm. our podcast for that um but at the end of the day like if it's a bad script there's only so much you can really like fucking if martin scorsese is making spiderhead is it a better movie probably marginally (laughs) yeah but like how much really are we talking here like I yeah, he'll add give me shelter at some point. Uh, oh, hell yeah. But <laughs> as they're having a drug fueled uh, episode, <laughs> give me shelter so, will be playing. So that's Spiderhead. It's on Netflix right now. Um, I wouldn't recommend it, but you can check it out if you have nothing better to do. Um, we are going to dive into TV talk now. Um, there's a lot of other movies that uh, we could touch on, um, but... We're thinking about doing a big old mid-year catch-up episode, a special episode, not like this Mm. one. Um, So stay tuned for that, where you might hear some some thoughts on some other movies that we've kind of put a a pin on, like The Northmen, like Men. Um, I really, really need you guys to watch RRR. Like, I'm screaming from the mountaintops. I hate that's three hours and it's on Netflix. Just let me sit in a theater if I'm going to sit down for three hours. Do you know how hard it is to sit down in my living room for three hours? We we maybe we can have a a a party a, a party with three R's where we all get together and watch <laughs> I love, RRR. I love that. Um, yeah. that might be the best way to do it. And also, we never talked about the Nick Cage movie, Unbearable Weight yeah. of Massive Talent, which I don't think you've seen. Have you? I have not. Okay. Yeah. So, so there's still a couple things kind of on the, on the. Uh, too busy the watching Lightyear just right. on repeat, really. Um, too there's much, a too lot. Too busy giving Disney money. A lot yeah. going on this summer that you know we could only fit so much, but we're doing our best, people. We're doing our best. So, let's get to TV uh, catch up with a little bit of Disney Plus trash, as I like to call it. A little bit of <laughs> slop. I like mm-hmm. to eat that Disney Plus I want, slop. Here's the thing, Ernest. I want you – I need you to pitch me on these shows because currently I'm not watching them, nor do I have any plans whatsoever right. to watch them. You, so pitch them to me. I'm just – I am here just alone on Earth, and I want you to take me to Tatooine with you. You didn't watch Moon Knight, did you? No. Okay. I have not. So um, Moon Knight was briefly mentioned on the episode that I did with Brett on Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness. He really enjoyed Moon Knight. I was a lot more middle of the road on it. I thought that um, Oscar Isaac did a solid job. You know, we love to see him. But overall, like, it didn't make me, like, feel anything, which I guess is a lot to ask at this point, (laughs) because that's the same way I feel about Obi-Wan that 
I love Ewan McGregor. I'm happy to see him. He's a great actor. He's great in this role. But when I sit down and watch this show, I literally feel nothing. And it's just like, is that, is that unfair? Like, should I, should I like write off the, the possibility of like feeling any type of emotion when I sit down to watch Obi-Wan Kenobi? You know, it's like, I, these are the questions that I'm asking myself because it's not, it's not terrible. Like it looks good. You know, the visuals are good. Um, and it's fun to be in this world and and be with this, this character on, on the journey that he's on um, and see Darth Vader again. We clap, you know, we clap when we see Darth Vader, our favorite. Um, but every week I'm just like, I do not feel anything and honestly part of me is like maybe this is one of those shows that would benefit from the binge model especially because like it was meant to be a movie originally and lucasfilm decided to to put it on the old uh disney plus because of the success of mandalorian um and i feel like maybe this show would in my opinion be better if it was a binge model if i could just like burn through all the episodes in a, in a single sitting or a couple of sittings because each episode on its own it just doesn't give me much to work with on any type of of level other than like it's star wars and it's ewan mcgregor and you know we clap Mm -hmm. and i just i there's already a built-in audience for things like this and they know that and that's what they're using to build Disney Plus as a business and as a streaming service. But as an actual like piece of television, of art, of anything, it is it is completely devoid of that. Um, there's nothing in it. it it's sad because it, it feels like Star Wars at this point is just being stripped for parts. You know, like this is the stage that we're in with this show is it is uninterested as a brand if you will, to evolve and to grow and to explore new stories and new possibilities. I think that Mandalorian, you know, we'll see where season three goes, but like, that's kind of like the closest thing it's doing to that, to exploring new things. But even season two of Mandalorian, like had Luke Skywalker in it. And it's like, what are we doing? You know, it's, it's completely unafraid to like it's completely afraid to stop playing with the toys that got them there like it's just it's so frustrating man you know when i knew because i was actually i was interested in obi-wan before the show ever actually came out i was interested in watching it i fucking love ewan ewan i've always been out here for been out here on my baz lerman waving my moulin rouge flag back and forth big fish Talking we about yeah, fish. how happy much I Father's Day out there, big <laughs> fish heads. Um, I was really interested in the show. I made a pointed effort not to watch the show whenever I heard Hayden Christensen come back and people just be like, "Guys, our favorite person, Hayden Christensen is back." Guys, the guy from Attack of the Clones. And then whenever I saw all the think pieces of like. Actually, the prequels are all kind of masterpieces. I said, no. nope, you know what? Fuck it. I'm done. I'm not feeding into the I'm not feeding into the machine anymore. Like I'm done. We can things can be bad. Everything from your childhood right. doesn't need to be revisited and now it's actually suddenly good. Sometimes things are bad, dude. Also, like it's driving me to I saw somebody like people on Twitter like talking about how like 
you know, actually, Fit Four Stick, I went back and watched it, and it kind of rocks. And no, it's like, no, it's not. You're not dude. doing that. <laughs> things are bad. A lot of things are just bad. It's and that's okay. Things can just be bad, and then we can move on from them, and we can right. grow and change as people. I can't. I can't anymore. I'm like, I'm done with just like going back to the same old tired sandbox that we've been in for fucking 40 years, dude. Like, let's just move on. The whole promise of Star Wars, in my opinion, everybody can say it's just about one family. It's what makes it grounded. No, the thing is with Star Wars is that there should be no limits to the stories that we're telling. The galaxy. Look at. Look Boundless. at something like Star Trek, where Star Trek is just like trying to constantly evolve. I know something like Picard is a little bit backwards facing, but like there is this endless world, this galaxy right. far, far away that we could just see over and over again. It's like, hey, let's go back to the desert planet where we started everything. <laughs> well, uh, luckily, that's just the first episode. After that, we we do move on from Tatooine. Uh, but you're right. You're right. And you brought up Star Trek and like the the new Star Trek show, Strange New Worlds, is actually finding a good way to to kind of do both things. Like Spock is in that show um, and uh, Uhura is in that show. And um, God, I'm not a Star Trek person. I'm blanking all the names. Um, <laughs> you're fine. <laughs> the guy that Bruce Greenwood plays in Star Trek 2009 uh, that character is the main actor, uh, Anson Mount, handsome Anson, uh, Captain Pike, Captain Pike, Captain He's Pike. the main okay, character. So these are characters that we've seen before in different iterations, but the show is doing new things and it's exploring new stories and new worlds. And it's not just retreading the same thing. And Obi-Wan, it's trying to do that. But also, we know where this character ends up because of the timeline of where it's set in because it's a prequel to A New Hope. So we can't really do that much. And it just, it feels in this, like it's set in this box. And there are moments where it it introduces interesting uh, characters that we haven't seen before. Like there's this character, Riva, who is an Inquisitor. And that's like an interesting opportunity to like play with a new character or, um, you know, we love to see Benny Safdie get his money with a little bit Good part. You, Benny. Uh, Kumail is in there. Um, even the little girl that plays baby uh, Leia, I, I like to see. So it has like this potential to be interesting, even inside of this box, but it never quite gets there. And I just, I just can't get behind a show that feels so much like content for content's sake. It is very, very depressing. (laughs) Um, A show that's not depressing and that doesn't feel like content for content's sake is Miss Marvel, which I'm very surprised about. The, the, the show that I probably would have been, if you asked me at the beginning of this whole Marvel Disney plus venture, the least interested in might end up being the best one out of all of them wow okay the the bar is still loki loki is still kind of like the the gold standard of this this endeavor and there are moments in wandavision that are like the highest highs even though that show as a whole didn't quite work for me kind of fell apart a little bit towards the end whenever it had to fit into the marvel machine but the first like half of right 
WandaVision fucking owns. Which I'm I'm worried about Miss Marvel. I'm worried that the the energy, the youthful kind of energy that these first two episodes has might start to dilute itself if it feels the need to become MCU uh ified. Um mm. but I really, really like the premiere and I really like the the second episode. It has the same energy of something like uh Spider-Man Homecoming, you know, that kind of that kind of again that youthful energy or even even the slightest little bit of like Spider-Verse with some of the visual flourishes that it's throwing at okay. you. It it has this again this kind of like spark to it, this useful this youthful spark that I haven't really seen any of these shows do and it's doing it in a way that feels unique to this world of this character like it's it's everything that it's doing all of the visual flourishes and everything and and the the stylistic choices are all in line with this character Kamala Khan um and her journey and who she is as a person and and what we learn about her it feels like all of the themes are in line with all of the visual choices and i really like that about it and it's not feeling the need to tie into the larger MCU plotline or anything like that, which I guess you could say the same thing about Moon Knight, but for some reason that one didn't work for me as much as this one is. Mm. Um, I just really like how how cute the show is. It's got like high school romances going on. Um, it's got like little plot lines of her being a Muslim and like dealing with her mosque and like the cliques and the 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 aunties and the the gossiping that goes on in this community and really like putting you in the shoes of someone who has to juggle this life of trying to be a regular american teenager while also being like the child of of immigrants and specifically um muslim uh community immigrants and it's it's just doing a really good job at balancing all of these things and this girl um what is her name do you have it pulled up um, uh Iman uh Vellani incredible yeah. she's so fun to watch such a good presence on screen like she does the 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 kind of marvel hero thing when she needs to but she can also just play this regular teenage girl so well without it feeling hokey and performative it's it's just a really really welcome surprise i'm really loving this show i hope it doesn't disappoint me in the the subsequent episodes at this point i've only seen the first two but i really recommend this one i i don't know how okay. popular it is i because you know i don't think disney has said how well it's been doing but man i did i was so out on this whole thing after Moon Knight and um, Hawkeye and, you know, Star Wars is its own separate thing that like, you know, I'm just, like I said, I'm eating my Disney slop, like a good boy. My just, just, just feed me my slop. Yeah. And this one doesn't feel like empty content. It feels like somebody is, is holding the, the reins of this thing that actually has something to say and actually wants to put a new character on screen in a really interesting and creative way. 
I think this is a big deal for representation. You know, you got a, a, a truly, truly Muslim character. Like they, they're not shying away from that fact. Like that is an that integral part mm-hmm. of this story and of this, this world that we're seeing and, and of this, this family. Cause that's a lot of the character is her with her parents and, and her family unit. Um, and we've really come a long way from Iron Man building a suit to mow down a bunch of nameless <sighs> Middle Easterns. Yeah. Shout out to Bush's America. Um, you, you know, what? you pitched me to try and give the show a shot. You uh, sold me a little bit. Um, two things. I'm one, I'm, I'm glad that they're doing the small story thing. Cause I really think that that, I mean, that's why Spider-Man has always been like, arguably the best character that marvel has had is because he's just your friendly neighborhood spider-man he's just a guy he's not trying to be like ah yes i have to save the universe now i'm a multiversal transcending creature um so i'm glad they're kind of trying to capture that a little bit more because especially with these tv shows that seems like the thing that would benefit the most is telling stories like this that are a little bit smaller yeah um, and this next one, I'm going to ask you a really dumb question. Um, why is she called Miss Marvel and does, is she related to Captain Marvel? So this is something because that's as a non-comic book person, very confusing for me that I don't, I don't quite know who this person is aside from, I played a few hours worth of the Avengers game. That came out a few years ago. Not a very good it. game. It's just a Destiny ripoff. Um, but she is the main character that you play as is Kamala Khan, and she has big hand and she yeah. punch thing. They they actually changed her power set for this show. Um, we'll see if she's able to do the the stretchy power. They kind of substituted with this. Uh, they call it hard light, which she's able to emit this this light that can harden into matter. So it kind of is like similar concept um but the marvel thing um they do a really good job i don't know how it is in the comic books because i haven't read it but there is a a comic run that she had when she was introduced that is very popular and it got like critical acclaim back in the day when it came out but i never read it um i don't know how much they changed it for the show but it's very very simple how they did it um which again is vibes of spider-man homecoming like it is a direct extension of the mcu like we've seen these movies we know these characters we know the general vibe of you know who they are in this world and they use that to just like draw a line to her and be like okay this is a girl who is a fan of the avengers and her favorite avenger is captain marvel that's it like that's literally it and she goes to avenger con um and she dresses up yeah she dresses up as captain marvel for avenger con because that's her favorite character and she has a a homemade outfit that she created herself uh um arts and crafts it up and that's that's the extent of it um not super complicated and they they play super super chill with it very much in the spirit of that scene in um in spider-man far from home where they do the powerpoint remembrance of all of the fallen heroes um in in that same kind of energy so 
I really like the show. Um, I really recommend it. I think that if you feel like you want something out of uh, the Marvel TV experiment that uh, you haven't gotten up to this point, this might be it. Um, let's move on to a little bit of a, something that a lot of people might have been watching. Very popular show, Stranger Things. Stranger Things season four came out on Netflix, dumped a bunch of big boy episodes, seven like hour long plus episodes. And, you know, when, when this dropped on Netflix, this was when I started to feel the, the big old bloat of TV. Um, Cause I watch a lot of TV and, and I listen to a lot of podcasts about TV. And when this came out, it was like the same weekend that Obi-Wan and the boys dropped, which we'll get to in a second. And I was like, damn, am I really going to, am I going to fucking watch Stranger Things? Like, am I really going to give over my, my precious time to this? Uh, but luckily, Lee, my fiance, was also interested in watching it. So we knocked out the season together. And I got to say, this might be the best season of Stranger Things, honestly. I don't I know. If- see, it's hidden. I can see it poking out underneath your Buzz Lightyear poster, but I do see a Kate Bush poster is like starting to appear right there behind the you. The song is a big part of that. And <laughs> honestly, I don't know if that song is that good, but. What? Dude. Running up that hill fucking owns. That song has been great way before fucking Stranger Things just took it in as its own. Kate it's, Bush in general rocks, okay? It's fine. I've been out here on Kate Bush Hill. It's fine. The The way the song is used in the show is incredible. And that's more than anything why I think that, sh- that song has like really, really gained a lot of popularity because the scene, the pivotal climactic scene that running up that hill is used in is so good it's so effective and they actually like beef up the production of the song with like a lot more orchestration it feels really epic and that i think is what makes it memorable um i really like this season i think that it is very overlong and bloated um i don't think it, it the episodes need to be as long as they are i don't know why they did that they're trying to like do this kind of epic scope, you know, kind of Game of Thrones-esque story where all of the different characters are kind of spread out in their own subplots. And I know eventually it's all going to come together. Um, but I think a lot, of, there's some subplots, like there's some stuff in Russia that I think could have been really trimmed up. And, you know, some of the other side plots, I, I, I think could have really they... been trimmed up. I wish that they never even had a Russian thing. That was always just kind of, I haven't watched Stranger Things season four yet. I kind of wanted to give it space because Stranger Things is one of those shows that just, it all gets dumped. Everyone cares about it and won't shut the fuck about up about it for like 10 days. And then it kind of fizzles away. And then right. I'm like, okay, now I'll watch the show. Yeah. Um, now I'll give it a chance. Uh, so I'm going to check it out. I'm going to check out season four. Also, the bloated runtimes have intimidated me, to be perfectly honest with you, when every episode is like an hour and a half it's long. Tough. Yeah, it's like, tough. And, and it didn't, dude, it, I have to devote nine hours to this like six episode run here. Like, Jesus. It didn't need to be that way either, because I, I, I really feel like a lot of these subplots 
it's just kind of at a certain point, it is kind of spinning its its wheels a little bit. Like, honestly, whenever it cut to Russia, I just like checked my phone or something or like went to take a shit because like I just I just didn't care and just let it run. But the the stuff that's happening in Hawkins, like the main the A plot, basically, with this new villain Vecna that's uh, hunting people and and is kind of like a slasher movie like a very Freddy Krueger-esque villain. Incredible. Absolutely incredible. By far the best antagonist that the show has had. It, it's almost like this uh, metaphor for depression. And they do a really, really good job at kind of laying those seeds and making you feel like there is a deeper layer to this monster and not just like, let's kill people just because there is like kind of this meaning behind it. And I love it. I love these characters. I love everything that's going on there. It's it's such a good time to be back in that world. I just don't think it needed to cut away from that as much. There is a lot happening with Eleven, um, who has her own journey to go on. And she doesn't have her powers this season. And a lot of it is spent trying to get them back. Um. And a lot of that felt like wheels spinning for a a little while, but eventually by the end, it does pay off um, and it all sort of clicks together. And that final episode, there are some big revelations, big, big payoff that made it all worthwhile, even though, again, kind of bloated and overlong. There's going to be two more big boy episodes, basically feature films. Uh, that we'll get this season. I don't know why they did that. Probably because Netflix is like hemorrhaging subscribers and they need to like keep people going. So they're like, all right, we'll just like- Come back another <laughs> month from now. Yeah, yeah. you got to keep your subscription until next month to see the end of this uh, <laughs> of this season four. Um, and uh, and yeah, um, I, I didn't think that I was going to be kind of back on board with this show because it'd been gone for so long. And I just mm-hmm. kind of, there's a lot of things that happen that I just like don't remember how they tie into earlier seasons because I didn't do a rewatch, but whatever. It it honestly doesn't matter. It'll it's fine. Um, but yeah, I I said it might be the best season. I don't know how much I'll hold on to that take because again, I haven't rewatched the earlier seasons. I think maybe season one might still have the crown. I really like season three too, but yeah, season three rocked, but it was good. But this one, the, again, that Vecna villain and everything that they're doing there and everything that they're exploring with, with, you know, the upside down and, and uh, those characters in Hawkins, it was just so entertaining, so enjoyable. All of the character dynamics, the peril, the intensity, it is just up to another level at this point. Um, really, really impressed. Even the visuals, like they kind of balled out on some of these VFX shots and they look incredible, incredible. And a lot of Vecna is practical too. So it blends really well when you see kind of an actual makeup work on this villain with this really intricate CG VFX uh, work. I mean, it should look good because it reportedly cost 
thirty million dollars per episode. Holy so shit! It better look pretty fucking good at that cost because right. what we're at. How many episodes was it for this season so far? Um, I think seven. Seven think episodes. Yeah. So doing some quick math there, that's $210 million. Yeah, better, better look pretty good. Yeah. I mean, this um, is Netflix's only kind of big ticket item that they dude, have. Dude, Netflix, so. they kind of needed this to be a hit because yeah. Netflix has been taking L's for like the last like year and a half, really. Because Well, they had Squid HBO, Game. Yeah, okay, so they had Squid Game, but again, Squid Game is kind of like a blip, and now they're scrambling so hard. They have Stranger Things. They, We haven't really done a news thing, but they announced that they're making a Squid Game game show, <laughs> which that just fucking yeah. hilarious. They like, haven't specified honestly, if people will actually like live, <laughs> if they will actually survive this game one show. Of, one of the most deranged and like just fully missing the point things yeah. that I've heard in so long. Like we're turning Squid Game into an actual game show. It's like, did you? Did you watch? Did it? you watch it? Did you see it? No. Okay. Um, just let you figure that one out on your own. Good um, luck with that one. Yeah. But like they needed a hit. And I think that especially they probably recognize that. I mean, next season five is going to be the last one. And then they're going to have to try and figure something out. Uh, Go ahead and let's just go ahead and check off uh, Stranger Things spinoff series now on your cue cards. Because let me tell you what, that's definitely happening. Um, They can't keep these kids around forever because uh Finn Wolfhard's looking like he's like 27 at this point, but yeah, the Celtics might drop him next year. Yeah, honestly, they could use a, another wing really after <laughs> seeing Tatum's performance. So maybe, maybe he could come in there, like put up a few shots. Uh, they could use some bench help. Um, no, they they definitely need some subscribers. They need some hits back at this point. Right. And you know, I'm I'll give it a shot. I'm I'm. I really like season three. Season two, I was hard out. Never finished season two. Never going to finish season two. Um, I think that that there's a few episodes in it that are like truly just awful. Um, season three got me back in, and I'm interested. I will say I'm already so sick of all the Stranger Things stuff that I'm seeing everywhere. Like I, um, like I go to fucking Publix and I'm seeing like. Oh, look, it's Stranger Things plant-based uh, chicken nuggets. Oh, no. Oh, my God. It's a Stranger Things pizza because this is what our friend his pizza place. It's like broccoli and whatever the fuck is pizza that he has. Um, I don't care. I don't care. I Netflix, just stop. Just cut it out with your marketing. It's right. annoying to me. Um, I know a lot of people love it, but it it rubs me the wrong way. It it gives me Disney vibes. Honestly, we were talking about the Disney machine, and they're trying to do that, but they only really have Squid Game and Stranger Things at this point to be like, this is our IP. So then it's just beating. Well, that, that's beating the, the thing they need it. They need it because they don't have anything else at this point. And and with subscriber numbers on the decline, they kind of have to like try anything to to have that clout not disappear and this mm-hmm. is their best bet at that so i'm just glad the show is good because like yeah. i would be i would be like so annoyed if the show was terrible you know and it was this popular but i think that part of the reason why it is popular is because it's, it's actually good you know you you sit and watch it, you give it 
your attention. You're like, all right. Like that's, that was my biggest takeaway. It's like stranger things have been gone for so long. I think season three was in 2019. I want to say. Um, yeah, that sounds right. And um, uh, I just think that it, it uh, yeah, July, 2019, geez, three years. Um, I just think that it, for some reason, I assumed that, like, because uh, it had been three years, people either wouldn't care anymore or uh, are that that distance from it would make it so, like, um, we wouldn't really be invested in this story anymore in these characters. Um, so I'm glad that it's actually, like, clicking and that it's actually working. Um, also, real quick, I want to shout out um, this guy, Joseph Quinn. He's a new uh, uh, recurring character, plays Eddie Munson. One of the best parts of this new season. He is so good. He plays like, um, how do I describe Eddie Munson? He's like a, he's like a, a metal head. Like, a, like you can tell he's really into like Black Sabbath and yes. he plays uh, D&D. He's like a a guy who's like really into D and D, but he's um, he's been held back. He's like a, a, a three time senior at the high school and he's just still really into D and D and, and metal and heavy metal and shit. And it is just such a well played character by this guy, by Joseph Quinn. And I have, I haven't seen this guy before. It says he was in game of Thrones. Um, and he's had a couple other gigs here and there, but I want to see this guy in more stuff. He's really, really good in this show. He might be my favorite part of this season. Um, I'm right. really curious what the Deffer brothers are going to do after this. They maybe they'll, they might sign like an, a big overall with Netflix to just do a bunch of other stuff. Just do. I mean, it almost feels like I like they're going to have a Stranger Things shadow on them forever. That unless they're making like. Almost like their version of like an It Follows that's like an ode to 80s horror, like that type of a movie. I don't really know like what they're going to do after this. I mean, maybe I mean, they'll just be like, like we're done with the nostalgic horror. We want to try and do something different. But if Netflix is it's hard. smart, when you've they'll lived keep in them this on the world payroll. For so long, when you've lived in this world for so long, it's hard to kind of picture what life after Stranger Things is going to look like. Right. I mean, if I were Ted Sarandos over at Netflix, I would I would sign these guys on. Oh, now, yeah, I'd yeah. sign them like right Do now. Not like, let them. Don't leave, even let then, them go. Then you're left, you know, wondering yeah. how you're going to get your next bag. Mm -hmm. um, all right, a couple of quick things. Um, we're kind of running long here, but I wanted to shout out the new season of The Boys. The Boys season three on Prime Video. Um, dude, this show is fucking amazing. I honestly, I don't want to say too much because if I talk too much about it, I'll start giving away some of the, the just mind blowing shit that happens in this show. I think it's worthy of its own episode. If we're able to do that. I think we did that for oh, season yeah. two, didn't we? Mm -hmm. I think that we did. Yeah. Um, I, again, this is another one that's been gone for a while. I, I think season two was like 2019 or 2020 or something like that. 20, yeah, I think it was 2020. Yeah, season one was 2019. Season two is 2020. So this show is years. amazing. 
It's it so is. good. This really is like the best comic book show. Like Disney Far can keep above. churning out their fucking Marvel slop, but like this show is it's so fucking profound, like so much more than it has any right to be. Um, by accounts from what I've heard from friends of the pod who have read the series, the show is already just like surpassing far and away better than the yeah. fucking comic lines. So I I haven't had a chance to watch any of season three yet, um, mostly because of COVID shit. I don't really have a good excuse other than that. Um I'm probably going to binge through to catch up this at some point this yeah. week because I fucking this show is so good. I'm so happy that it's back. They they dropped three episodes um, a couple weeks ago for the premiere and then uh, number four and five have aired. So I think there's five out so far. Mm-hmm. And I think this might be the best season yet Damn. because I, I feel like season one and season two uh, had to do a lot of groundwork to set up this world and all of the different kind of dynamics in it, because there's a lot going on here. It's not just the heroes. It's not just the humans. It's this company bought and their history and everything that they're up to. And then you're throwing in like politics and social commentary and drawing connections between heroes and organized religion and in the industrial military complex and it, this show is doing a lot and it's working on a lot of different levels and the entire time it's working overtime to be a satire about our society and our obsession with superheroes and how connected that is to all of the other problems that we are facing specifically in American society and season three is now built on that foundation that the first two seasons did. And specifically, when you look at season two and what that did with the the Stormfront character and the the literal Nazi Ah. that she was, you know, and you have this whole idea of like a Nazi superhero and the implications of that. Now they have that foundation to build on top of too. And the things that this is doing, the commentary that this show is making about the, the problems of white supremacy and of you know the 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 fucking um toxic masculinity in this country mm-hmm. and uh even touching on like uh things that ha- are, are very very recently put into into the the limelight like black lives matter um and uh how we look at like police brutality this show's doing a lot. It's it's got a lot on its mind, and it's and it's working with so many complex ideas, and it wants to be very political, and it wants to not just be a show about superheroes, but use superheroes as a way to talk about the evils of society. And when you do a show about heroes, you also are inherently doing a show about villains. And this story is is really working hard to make you see that villains and evil, it's all very connected. And when when we fight evil, historically, and just overall, throughout all of human history, it is all kind of the same evil 
There is just mm-hmm. this one evil force. And that's kind of like what the sat- the satire in this show is trying to get at. That it's all connected. Everything, all of the evil things, all of the horrible things in the world are all kind of the same thing. It's all one big evil. And the entire time, it is the most hilarious, it is the most gruesome, grotesque, over-the-top, bloody, crazy shit you've seen. It, there's nothing else like The Boys. It is, it is fucking crazy. It kind of is a show. There's a lot of shows that just feel like they are kind of like living in this world of excess violence for the sake of excess violence without like really doing anything to actually add any kind of narrative weight. And the boys is actually trying to make a statement. Like you can't, you can't censor down the boys or else like it has to deliver everything with the bluntness of a sledgehammer, because that's kind of the point is like, it's going to just, overwhelm you with what it's trying to say in certain things and like a lot of that is just kind of the subversion of just who like be careful who you look up to be careful who your heroes are just Mm -hmm. that whole thing is something that the show kind of always has looked into and i i mean it just does it better than anything else that i can think of that's on television like on television or in film like it's just kind of the best version of that, especially as we are in this culture that we're just like inundated by all the superhero and all the IP all the time. That's what makes the boys so special of a show is that we're receiving this. That is kind of like, it is coming in like a fucking freight train of counterculture against everything that we have. Just like choo choo Disney plus here we go. Coming through, like just going to come in here and well, it takes completely dismantle this idea of the superhero that we're stuck with. it, It takes a lot of the established things of our superhero machine into its own world. Like obviously Marvel and DC don't exist in the world of the boys, but it is directly commenting on those things. Like uh, it, it, there's a joke in the very first episode that is directly riffing off of the Snyder cut. Like, like if you know about the history of justice league and the Zack Snyder cut of justice league, the, the, the beauty of this joke is perfection and not just, directly riffing off of superhero things too but just something like the the um what's her name uh caitlin jenner kylie jenner uh one of the one of the kardashians or chloe one of those fucking kardashian ladies that did the um the pepsi commercial the infamous pepsi commercial something like that is directly being parodied in this show so no one is safe no one is safe from the boys you know anything that you do out there you're talking about the kendall jenner the yeah that's what it is yeah yeah that's yeah (laughs) yeah and and the way it's done is based uh on the journey of a of a specific character in this show that's the beauty of this show too there's it's not doing these things just to do them and just to poke fun 
at our society. It's doing all of them in the service of these characters and the journeys that they're on. And that's the another thing about this season is that it's doing a really good job at spinning all these plates of all these characters and adding more characters and making sure that we're invested in all of their journeys because they all share similar goals of what they're trying to accomplish, but they're all doing it for their own reasons. And we need to understand those reasons based on what they've been through. And Mm -hmm. it's doing an excellent, excellent job at kind of building all of these character arcs up. So can't recommend it enough. I want to get into more specifics once um, you and and Drew get a a chance to watch it. Um, The Boys, season three, prime video. All right, real quick, I want to shout out um, on FX on Hulu. You can watch it on Hulu. It's called The Old Man, uh, starring uh, Jeff Bridges and John Lithgow. Go to a man. What if there was an old man? That is the question this show dares Does he go to a beach? There is no beach yet, but we don't know how. He but there's got gonna old. be a flashback. We yeah exactly. Where we, we see don't him know, get old. We don't know how he got old. So there, okay, it, there could still be a All beach. Right. Okay, gets old. okay, cool. Um, I am the Jeff shocked. Bridges, the Jeff Bridges show. I'm shocked that a that I watch this show and b <laughs> that it's amazing. Like holy shit, the 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 old man is good. <laughs> It's a good I've heard, show. I've heard great things about the first. It's only two episodes that have come out, right? Yeah. So also, far, it's yeah. directed by it's, John Watts. Yeah, I, exactly. Isn't that crazy? It's, <laughs> it's by John Watts. Um, for people who don't know John Watts, we kind of referenced him earlier. He's the guy who made Spider-Man, Homecoming, Far From Home, No Way Home, the Spider-Man trilogy. And now um, he's making The Old Man. Um, and now I don't he's think like, he I've directs- had enough... I've had enough of these fucking kids, okay? Yeah. <laughs> I want to make a movie about old men. I don't think he directs you the whole... either die Tom Holland or you live long enough to see yourself become Jeff Bridges. Exactly, um, exactly. He he doesn't direct the whole season. I think he's done after these two. Um, so it's a very kind of classic TV uh, show mm-hmm. approach where they just kind of hand off the the directing job to, to different uh, people. But these first two are very, very well-directed by far the best directed thing that John Watts Watts has done. Like the shots are great. Um, You know, he's actually, he actually goes to locations, dude. He's not in front of a fucking back lot in Atlanta on a green screen. He actually, for him, I'm sure this was nice for him. It was a nice like change of scenery, quite literally a change of scenery. Um, Weird fun fact, because I just happened to go on uh, Wikipedia here. The guy who is directing three and four, because it looks like it's four directors. John Watts is the first two. There's a guy named Greg. Um, excuse me, I'm going to butcher this name. Yatane, Yatanis, Yatanes. Okay. Um, he was an angel investor in Twitter. Nice. So this man is like Loaded. Loaded. Yeah. He's fucking making bank, and he's just like, yeah, I guess I'll just also direct. I'll, I'll direct. I'll direct. I'll the just old direct man. some television. He has no credits to his name of like. Well, he was notes. he was waiting for the old man. Yeah, he did like. Oh well, no, he did a couple of shows. He did like a couple episodes of Lost, Prison Break, Heroes. Okay. I, your favorite, your beloved heroes. Love heroes. High school um, Ernie was a huge <laughs> heroes head. So the the old man, Jeff Bridges, plays uh, an old man. 
and he is kind of the a titular ret- old man. <laughs> He's like a retired uh, operative, like CIA adjacent kind of covert ops kind of guy and very mysterious past. We don't know a lot about what he did. Um, but now he's an old man and he lives alone with his dogs. Very good boy uh, Rottweilers. Uh, very, very good boys. I can tell that they're not CGI. They definitely did a, a good job with these dogs. And something happens that pulls them back in. And John Lithgow is like the um, the old friend that still works for the government and is very high up in the government. And, you know, you can tell that they have history and John Lithgow is the guy that, that was, you know, button them up, button up his tie and went to work and did his, his duty as a, as a uh, employee of the government. And you can tell that Jeff Bridges was the guy who liked to go against the grain, liked to go rogue, liked to do things his own way you know, and you can get so much just from these little bits that they throw in. They're not over explaining anything. They're not dumping this exposition on you. There are some flashbacks, which by the way, I'm glad they didn't do any fucking garbage DH bullshit. And they actually recast these characters with younger actors that do a mm. great job of emulating John Lithgow and Jeff Bridges. Um, but there's a lot more there. You know, there's this whole thing with Jeff Bridges' wife and, and things that she went through. And she's now dead as in, as in, uh, when he's an old man. And you kind of have to fill in the gaps as to like what happened there, you know, when she was young. And he has a daughter that he talks to on the phone. And he meets up with... Um, our girl Lori Strode from Leftovers. Um, Yeah, and kind of develops a little bit of a fling there as she's like basically like his Airbnb host as he's uh, trying to lay low on the run. Um, But man, I was really surprised about this show. I kind of just put it on, you know, as one of those things that I like to do where I'm just like, all right, what's new? What's what's the next thing on the docket? Let's, Let's throw the old man on. What the hell? And I was so shocked at how good it was. Like, holy shit. It's very well directed. There's an action sequence at the end of the first episode that's all done in one take. And it's like, holy shit, did Jeff Bridges actually do this action scene? Like, how did they pull this off? This is an old man. (laughs) And he's doing this intricate kind of stunt uh, fight. Um, Yeah. Really, really loved it. Great characters, great tone, you know, very subdued, kind of moody, kind of crime thriller type of vibe. Um, and I'm going to keep watching. I'm really, really intrigued. It's uh, The Old Man. You can watch it on Hulu. I'll check it out. You kind of sold me a little bit. Honestly, I just I didn't think much about it until I have heard at least that the first two episodes are good. We love, you Jeff know, Bridges. a lot of he yeah, he's will great say- in everything. I will say a lot of these shows that are like John Watts is involved are like really good for the first two episodes and then like kind of take a dip. I'm thinking specifically of uh, Raised by Wolves from a oh, few years the, ago. Yeah. What was that? Remember that was um, Ridley, Ridley Scott. Scott. 
yeah, remember the first two episodes? We were like, this is really good and like really interesting. And then Fell Ridley off. Scott left and just yeah. nosedived afterwards. So maybe I'll wait to see how three and four are received before I dive into the I'll old check, man. I'll check back um, in and I'll let you know. Yeah. Yeah. Let me know if it's worth uh, seeing just, this man get old. Just based on these first two episodes, you know, you don't get Jeff Bridges and John Lithgow just to do a paycheck job. You know, uh, yeah. maybe, maybe you do, I don't know, but at least. No, Jeff Bridges sh- is, Jeff Bridges is pretty good. John Lithgow shows up in some shit as much as I love the guy. Yeah. Um, but, but they're really good in this. Like, like yeah. that's the thing about the show is that like, it feels worthy of having them be a part of this story. Like you're, you're, you're like, oh my God, like they're really getting to like do actor work you know like they it 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 balances having them like give these you know kind of monologues and do their actor thing and also just be in like a cool crime show too do you know what without looking at imdb do you know what the last performance was that jeff bridges did it's a movie that we saw that i think we talked about on the pod Jeff Bridges, Jeff Bridges, Jeff. Bridges. I would say it's 2018. It's been four years since he's been in something. I can't. He's been can't hold up getting it. old. I can't think of it. Bad times at the El Royale. Oh yeah, the preacher man. He, do, he yeah. plays the preacher man. That's right. Yeah, he yeah. was in that and only the brave, or I guess only the brave Kingsman back in 2017. Hell or high water 2016. Jeff Bridges like. He is always at least making choices in what he's doing. Yeah. He's in some shit, but like he can, he's trying to do something. Like he's trying to actually make choices. Um, good. I'm I'm glad that Jeff Bridges is back in our the lives. old man. I fucking love him. What if there was an old man? You know, that's what we're trying to get to here. All yeah. right. Before we wrap up, we're gonna talk about Better Call Saul, and we're gonna clear out the board here for Hunter to share his full spoiler thoughts on Better Call Saul. So if you okay. haven't watched Better Call Saul, you know, goodbye. See you next week. <laughs> um, we're going to get into thoughts on basically the whole show up until this point um, because you have binged it entirely, yeah. right? So I have seen up until season six – um, I have not seen the first half of season six because AMC is a fucking god awful service, and they actively want you to not watch the shows that are on their network. They are actively like, "Hi, oh yeah, no, we have our own service. It's called AMC Plus. You can sign up. We'll be able to give you like all this AMC content, except for Better Call, Better Call Saul. We actually don't have that on here. So <laughs> our um, flagship title, <laughs> our, the one thing that you're tuning in here for, and we actually don't have that. But if you want to watch Dark Man, the Sam Raimi film, sure, come on, check that out. You can watch it with ads. Um, even though I'm giving you five dollars yeah. a month for your stupid hey, you're not service. a fear the Walking Dead head. I did not know that show was still on. To be perfectly honest, is uh, what's his name still hosting it? Um, no, 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 no. Fear the Walking Dead is a spinoff of the no, Walking Dead. No, but is uh, is there also still the after show? Oh, starring, talking, uh, talking Dead. Yeah, uh, Chris Hardwick. Yeah, Chris Hardwick. Yeah. Does Chris Hardwick have a? Better call Saul after show. Talking Does Saul? Like, I don't know. Talking Probably. Saul? <laughs> Dude, fuck Chris Hardwick. I hate that. That guy's a piece of shit. Um, anyways, uh, Better Call Saul. Watch the first five seasons on Netflix. Kind of binge through it. I saw season one 
right around whenever it came out back in like 2015 or so 2015 2016 um it was good like breaking bad and i'm saying this like breaking bad because i think that a lot of people now just think about breaking bad and only think about the last few episodes the last like season and a half that are just like electric fireworks all the time but breaking bad starts pretty slow uh and better call Saul, i would say starts even slower um season one was i respected the hell out of it but i did find it to be a little bit too kind of we're moving a little bit in slow motion here trying to set up everything else and i think that that's really only on season one because i kind of picked up I watched like a little recap just as a refresher for season one and it jumped right in season two, episode one. And maybe it's because I was just more in the right mindset. Maybe it's because the show itself picks up, but it fucking owns. I like kind of couldn't stop watching the show. I've been behind on a lot of other TV and movies and stuff like that because pretty much any time that I had a free moment, I was just watching Better Call Saul instead of whatever else. Um, It's that good. (laughs) It's so good. I I know, Ernest, you've said this before, but like it it might be be better than Breaking Bad. I I don't know. I don't know if that's okay to say or not, but like it might be better. Especially that fifth season, dude. Dude, Season five, it it was doing like the show was already, I would say, arguably more consistent than Breaking Bad. Breaking Bad, of course, has like these unbelievable high highs, these incredible episodes of television. But also it does kind of meander and like Walt's just kind of like doing his thing for like a three episode stretch. And you're like, yeah. come on, let's keep this keep this train moving a little bit. And Barricall saw, I would say. It's better at juggling multiple plot lines at the same time. It's better at just being like, all right, so we have this Saul plot line over here with him and Kim, or I, Jimmy and Kim, uh, and then we're going to jump over here to this cartel stuff and see what's yeah. going on there. And then like, also we're going to have Mike come in here. And season five is kind of the beginning of all these plot threads starting to intertwine together more. And a lot of that is due to who... I think might be like one of the best villains that I've seen in television in some time. Lalo Salamanca. Hell yeah. Tony Um, Dalton. Dude, this man is fucking terrifying. I, but so charismatic too. He's That's the thing. That's what makes him so much more terrifying is that like, he genuinely is just like kind of, you can't look away from him. You can see his charm and like, why people are drawn to him and his smile is infectious but also it's it's infectious like covid like it's gonna kill you um (laughs) if you let him into you it's so true it's just kind of it's undeniable what he's doing in this show it's insane it's insane it's so fucking good i want to watch the rest of this show i just like want to yeah. catch up. no i'm just gonna end up having to pay fucking like five dollars per episode to rent them i guess somebody tell us like, um who we need to email at amc to yeah to just be like begging. hey you know your streaming service that you have <laughs> would you like to like tick those numbers up a little bit because i have an idea for you um do do i need to like bootleg 
like buy like a VHS bootleg off of eBay to watch your show. Is yeah, that I sh- <laughs> shouldn't have to do that. Shouldn't have to do that. Um, especially because part two is coming out. I believe it's in July, right? Yes, I actually yes, July eleventh. Yeah, it's right around the corner. So they so, better figure something out if people. <laughs> they got to get their shit together because uh, I want to watch this goddamn show. Um, I'm really excited to see kind of where we end up going. Vince Gilligan is directing a couple episodes. I didn't realize until looking at season six, and I've been very, very careful with my searches on uh, Google and everything. Yeah, because there's some big, six, there's some big things that happen. I don't want anything spoiled for me. I do see on here that like season six, Vince is of course directing a couple episodes. Rhea Seahorn directs an episode. Giancarlo Esposito directs an episode. And they're great episodes. Dude, this fucking owns. Like, this show's so goddamn good. I I mean, we've been out here even... He didn't need this show to tell us that Bob Odenkirk is a king, but Bob Odenkirk is so good. Rhea Seahorn. Ray. I think out, it's just Ray. Oh, just Ray Seahorn? Yeah, Ray um, Seahorn. Yeah, I I've believe. just been saying her name wrong for forever, so excuse me, Ray. Um, it's spelled weird, so... You've been saying, like, screaming that Ray Seahorn is incredible for years now, and Kim I... Kim Wexler, dude! Dude, what she's is so going good. on with this girl? That, that moment in season five where they're like, Jimmy, I cannot be with you anymore. We have to just end this right now, or we get married. <laughs> it's just like one of the best cuts. I was like, what, what, what? <laughs> or maybe it's four or five. I can't remember if it's in four or five, but like, it's just unbelievable, man. Everything that's just going on with her character, seeing Jimmy just kind of pull her down yes. in his stew is kind of tragic but also like they feed into each other in this really like it's this toxic relationship that's like fun from the outside but you can see it just destroying this person and like all of her moral standing that she wants had well that's the thing that's the thing about this show is that this character kim wexler is not in breaking bad so we have no idea where she ends up is she dead Mm -hmm. is she off the grid is she in prison? We have no clue. So yeah. that is kind of the big driver of figuring out like where it, it it ends up because, you know, for all the other characters like Mike and Saul and Gus, we know where they end up because this is a prequel to Breaking Bad. But when you look at her, when you look at a character like Nacho, when you look at even Lalo, oh. that's where the the intensity of the drama and the intrigue is really not to take anything away from the other characters because those actors are doing an incredible job but that's the magic of this show is that it's able to craft a character like Kim and have us feel so so deeply invested in her and yeah Ray Seahorn fucking amazing performance please give her an Emmy dear god who do I have to who do I have to smooch like this woman needs an Emmy, please. If she doesn't get it's, one, I I don't know what I'm gonna I'm I'm gonna riot. Like it is an incredible performance. She's so good. Um, you mentioned him, but Michael Mando is Nacho. Just oh, talk yeah. about somebody who like. I just love him, and I just want to protect him. And I know 
I know that I can't. And that's killing me. Just the end of season five. So since we're kind of in spoilers. Oh, yeah. Spoilers spoilers for a season that came out uh, two years ago. But um, a season that was my number one show of that year, mind you. Yeah, uh, I can see why. Um, I don't remember what I had. I don't remember what shows came out in 2020, to be perfectly honest. But um, it's 2020 or 2019. But of course, all season five was 2020. 2020. Um, I think yeah, so. I think it was it was a very close. Uh, like TV is so good every year that it's it's always so close. I think this was this the year of I May Destroy You. I think it, I think it was I May Destroy You. Yes, yes, it was the year of I May Destroy You. Um, no, so uh, the end of season five is like some of the best like action direction that I've just seen in anything. And it was on a TV show, not in a movie or anything. Like truly, just like nail biting. Oh, the raid, the raid on the pounding raid compound? sequence. Yeah, no, it's just fucking amazing. It's unbelievable. exhilarating. Unbelievable! It's so well done that like I just it was. <laughs> it's funny. I started putting it on um, like from my computer and I just had it on one of my monitors. And whenever I realized that the raid was happening, it was like pausing here and we're going to go move out to my living room and put this on the big screen. Cause yes. I was like, I, I need to give this the respect <laughs> that it deserves that like sitting on one of my monitors here. I need to watch this actually like on a TV screen so I can fully appreciate everything that's happening here. And you're so um, worried for Nacho because you're just like, you know why he's in there and what he's trying to do. And you're like, he's fucked. He's not getting out of this. And then to see how Lalo gets out of it, it's like absolutely mind-blowing because you're not primed to think that like he is going to get out of it at all. And I mean, like you said, like there is this anxiety specifically around Kim and around Nacho that you just don't know. I just don't want them to die because I've just grown to love these people and something has to happen with them. Why are they absent for like this three year stretch of time during the events of breaking bad? I mean, I know breaking bad is mostly from the perspective of Walt and Jesse. So like, that's yeah. Kim Kim could just be, Kim could just be back at home. Um, (laughs) but I doubt it. I'm, I'm going to find a way to watch the first well, half. I just I just looked it up. So if you have YouTube TV or any cable uh, service, they are going to air a uh, day long marathon on Friday, July first. So set so your I'm just DVRs. Gonna YouTube TV and set my DVR. Uh, cool fucking AMC Plus. Jesus, make it easier to watch your stupid show. Um, I don't know. I'm going to figure something out because I'm watching, I'm watching this before because we're going to have to have like watch parties and like, we're going to have to do something for the end of the show. Cause the show is so good. Like it truly is just like the best thing on TV or like one of the best things on TV, but it has, it has lived up to the throne of, of uh, breaking bad. I surpass it for all we know. I really, it really might. Um, I'm hesitant to give it the hundred percent it has until seeing how it ends because breaking bad's ending is like perfection, truly just one of the best TV show endings ever. Um, Like the last three episode run of breaking bad is kind of as good as it can be done, especially for a show that's as popular as it is. So many shows game of Thrones just completely fumble the bag and just, 
honestly set the entire show back with their ending and the fact that breaking bad was able to stick the landing so well Mm -hmm. i'm not gonna say i'm nervous because i have full faith in vince gilligan that he can do no wrong at this point but i just want to see how he's going to deliver a satisfying ending when again this is a prequel we are going to have these flat we see these flash forwards to our boy Cinnabon gene just managing a cinnabon passing out uh and a cinnabon um well i i have a theory about that but i i can't quite share it because i i don't want to give yeah i know you've probably seen seen. a little bit yeah you've seen a little bit more in this well they actually haven't shown any gene stuff which i'm curious oh really yeah they haven't but but based on what happens i have some theories that we'll get into at a later point okay yeah no i don't I'm hesitant to talk too much more about this show because I want to get to the point where we've seen the same number of yeah. episodes. Well, like, I did before we wrap point. up. I want to get your take on Chuck because the end of Chuck, how he dies, the 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 what's it called, Lantern? That episode, I think it's mm-hmm. the season three finale. I yeah. really, really want to hear your thoughts on that because that that episode, I think, was when I like went fully like Saul pilled. I was like, this is this is the best show on television. Like the way they build up to that moment, that mm-hmm. entire season, just the fall of Chuck. Incredible, incredible storytelling, like craftsmanship of the highest caliber. So I, I just it's, need to hear what you think of that. So I season five is incredible. It's all of season three that levels up in my mind because season two ends with just it basically ends with the jimmy chuck like this is the tide has been severed like chuck is just out chuck hates jimmy despite this being his brother despite jimmy basically like really doing all that he could to take care of chuck chuck just he he hates him and it's kind of like it's not completely un not understandable because you do get some like flashback moments to see that like this resentment has been building for years and years and then jimmy is just like i'm gonna do the same thing as you chuck i'm gonna become a lawyer and kind of makes a mockery of his profession Mm -hmm. so it makes sense in that way but season two ends with jimmy uh admitting that he is breaking the law and chuck recording him and trying to take him down and then all of season three is just based around this central conflict and you know that's going to blow up it's just waiting for the matter of time it was interesting because i didn't know that he was necessarily going to die but i knew that something was going to happen big with chuck and now it was interesting watching so many of these episodes like kind of binging through them all because the burning down of the house is like the seeds are planted all throughout that whole season that like, he's going to die. The like lantern, the electricity, they keep just being like, you're going to start an electrical fire. Like all these kind of seeds are just laid there. And then how that actually pays off with that ending. He, he burns himself. It's, oh, dude, it's, it's tragic. Like it truly is. That's kind of the thing that is most impressive about the show is that you are able to, empathize with everybody like in some even if it's in some kind of a sick twisted way and breaking bad of course is like incredible for this um 
almost to its detriment for some characters and some people are like skylar's such a bitch dude she won't just let walt like kill people and <laughs> cook meth um which is a whole toxic side of the internet that we don't need to get into right now but that's something that vince and his whole team are so good at is kind of threading the line of there is no nothing is clear-cut good or bad um even lalo uh kind of skipping ahead a little bit i think that one of the things that makes his character kind of great is that he's evil, but also it kind of helps that we know how evil yeah. Giancarlo Esposito is. Like we know how evil he is. So then therefore like that's informing us that we're like, well, he's against uh, um, like Hector. Giancarlo es- uh, against Gus right now. And I know how evil Gus is. So therefore I like kind of, can't truly hate lalo in this situation either that it's so good at blurring the lines between these two things um specifically talking about lantern and how that episode ends um it's one it's just incredibly well directed like Mm -hmm. it's just it's really really well done the way that it's set up uh kind of the breaking point for chuck where it's almost in like a comedic scene of Jimmy just being like, Haha, I'm going to pull it over on Chuck. I'm going to raise his insurance rate and say that he's like lost his mind and everything else. Whatever. He just goes in there just to like lower his own insurance premiums. That doesn't work. So he's like, well, I'm actually going to fuck over my brother too. And the fact that that that's like in almost a throwaway comedic scene, it feels like is the thing that kind of the trigger, yeah. the trigger point of everything is unbelievable the shadow that not only is death but who feels responsible for his death has now left over the show yeah is really really interesting that's because that's the the story of the whole show right is how does jimmy become saul what are the things that lead to this guy mm -hmm. kind of breaking bad so to speak but it's it's not just jimmy it doesn't just affect jimmy it really affects howard because howard blames himself the he guilt. says i was the one who pushed him out i was the one who pushed him to kill himself and his scene where he's like in season four where he's like telling jimmy like i i did this i feel responsible mm. for this and jimmy just very just conveniently just decides to leave out the fact that oh no i was actually like literally like i was solely the reason why he <laughs> did this because one i like completely embarrassed him in court and two i fucking like i literally raised his premiums that caused you to fire like it's it's so well done this show is just it is a show with no fat in the best possible way and but also takes its time it 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 draws things out without feeling like it's unnecessary like it's all it's on its own tempo and that's what sets it apart that you can kind of sit back and know that everything you're seeing has been carefully thought over to the slightest little detail and that you're in the best hands possible creatively. Everything is purposeful and intentional without everything feeling overly important. Mm -hmm. And that's kind of, it's like an undeniable quality that only the best, best, best pieces of television have. Even something like, Atlanta, which is, I mean, also just up there is just the best thing in television. We're going to do a whole episode on Atlanta and Barry. Um, But specifically with Atlanta, 
that is a show that meanders not for the sake of meandering but like it's kind of disinterested in telling a to a traditional television plot an a plot b plot mm-hmm. in any episode of atlanta it's just kind of it's like we're beyond television this for all <laughs> intents and purposes is it's still trying to be a tv show right, it is right, still right. following the plot beats of a traditional television show but it's doing that at the highest possible degree yes. that you can Yes, exactly. And that's what makes it so special. And there's things that tie in that you wouldn't expect. Like, I just want to shout out the the Super Lab guy, uh, the German guy. Oh, totally Gail? On. Oh, 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 yeah. You're talking about... um, Yeah, the, the German guy that's like the lead designer, the lead engineer on the Super Lab, which is a whole plot line that is amazing how the Super Lab is built. But that ties into like a little thing in... uh season six that I really like. So Mm. it's all very intentional. Like you said, very, very thought out. Um, So yeah, that's better call Saul stick around for our thoughts on the end, the final episodes um, as we get into the rest of the summer TV season. Uh, So thank you for listening. Thank you for sticking around. Please rate review and subscribe, like, and comment. Let us know what you thought of all the things that we talked about donate. Thank you all you beautiful donors for supporting everything that we do on this show and check out webottomike.net for more episodes in all our archives next week. We will hopefully bring you a review of Atlanta and Barry as mentioned. Um, if not, we will have that big old grab bag episode, uh, recapping the year so far in pop culture, 2022. And eventually we will get back to Robin. I promise you. Mm-hmm. I promise. I promise you. Uh, any final thoughts, Hunter? Um, no. Uh, TV and movies are good, turns out. Yes. <laughs> Except for Lightyear. Lightyear is only mediocre. To infinity but, and beyond. Know, to infinity and beyond. Thanks for listening. We love you. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye.